Hope you've been blessed by this series, the summer message series, When Kingdoms Clash. Today is part nine of the series. Again, if you've missed any of the messages and would like to catch up or hear any of them, you can go to our website. All the messages are down or on our website for you to download and listen to. Last week, if you were here, I talked about the person of Daniel. We've been studying through Daniel somewhat this summer, but we looked specifically at his life and how Daniel was a person of character, conviction, commitment, and courage. And I shared it was because Daniel was a person of principle, purity, and prayer. That's what led him to be the man that he was. And we're going to continue by looking at Daniel chapter 6 here today. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me as we ask for the Lord's blessing upon his word. Father, we do thank you for the privilege that we have this morning to open up your holy word. We thank you that you are a faithful God. And I pray now that you would speak to us through your word, that not only would it convict us and challenge us, but Lord, it would bring change in our lives. Father, that you would speak to me and through me and that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable these next few moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Daniel chapter 6. I want to give you a brief background before we go on. You may remember, as Pastor shared, we're talking about Babylon and how it was a very wicked area in the world when Daniel was being promoted. We know back in Daniel chapter 1, and this is kind of neat to have our students and, and young people here today because really Daniel, his life speaks to our young people and older people and everywhere in between. We see Daniel um, from his life as a teen, teenager in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It says that he decided not to defile himself with the king's food, and you can read about that. But most Bible scholars say he was between 15 and 17 years old when, when he made uh, that decision. And then we pick up in chapter 6. Most people say he's in his young 80s. Young 80s. How many 80-plus-year-olds do we have here today? We always ask for Look, we have a bunch. Come on. Praise God. You know, Daniel can use both the young and the elderly. And we're going to see here in chapter 6 how God used him when he was older. Now, as we begin chapter 6, King Darius... Um, is now the new king, and as often as the case is when there is a conquest, typically the new ruler reorganizes government, and he wants to uh, show that he is in authority. He wants to make sure that his position is secure. So think about this as I pick up reading in verse 1. It says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king might suffer, would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So he actually, because of this spirit that was in Daniel, again, we, we talked about this last week. He was a man of principle, purity, and as we'll see a few verses later, prayer. Because he was these things, 
He enjoyed peace instead of panic. He exercised faith instead of fear, and he exemplified commitment, not compromise. So as you're here today, two thoughts that I want us to dwell on as we go through this chapter. Number one, and it's in your outlines, is this. Adversity makes a person choose one of two paths, character or compromise. Character or compromise. And then the second thought is this. Crisis doesn't necessarily make character, but it will certainly reveal it. Did you hear that? Crisis. How many of you ever had a crisis before? Oh, 18 of you. <laughs> crisis doesn't necessarily make character, but it will certainly reveal it. We're going to see this in Daniel 6 as we read through this chapter. I broke this chapter up into four main sections. This isn't in your notes, just utilizing the four main characters in the story. But we're going to see the king's decree in the first portion of the chapter. Then we're going to see the conspirators' deceit and their trap that they set up for Daniel. We're going to see the prophet's devotion. And then number four, the Lord's deliverance. How many of you are thankful that all power is the Lord's? That even when situations seem done, they're not done unless God says so. Amen? Amen. Follow along as we pick up in verse 5, chapter 6. So these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his guard. How many would like that reputation? Again, we talked about this last week. But unless we, we, we attack his faith, I mean, we got nothing to attack. This guy is as clean, as impeccable as they come. They couldn't find any dirt on Daniel up to this point. What a reputation he had. You see, Daniel, he served Yahweh, God, and he knew that that name, he didn't want to defame that name. He was a reflection of that in this very ungodly culture. So it goes on, and they're trying to find this guy. They figure they're going to attack his faith. Verse 6, so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. Again, they're speaking. Look at verse 7. All the governors of the kingdom... You pick up on that word all? Is that an accurate statement? Was not Daniel one of the three? But what do they say? All the governors. They're saying everybody on our side. That's not accurate. Church, very important that we pick up on this. Because the devil is the father of lies. And he looks to deceive God's people. And sometimes people lie to attack our faith. Amen? You ever been lied about? Something said, somebody said something about you. It wasn't accurate. Just notice that in verse 7. It wasn't all the governors, but these guys were saying, all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute. No, they didn't. They didn't include Daniel. He was one of them. Right? He was one of the top three. If you read earlier in the chapter. But anyway, they go on that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. 
Therefore, King Darius signed the decree. Here we see the trap is set for Daniel. I want to ask you here, Daniel's faith in God brought him success up until this point. If you've been in this series, you've seen that, you've heard that. But now the exercise of his faith could cause him at this moment to lose it all. And my question to you here today is what would you have done in his place? Maybe you're living for God. And God is bringing you to a point, maybe today, this week, or very soon, to exercise faith. But you know that if you exercise faith, people might think you're crazy. Or the other thing, persecution could come in a moment. There are some testimonies here of literally families cutting you off. I know some of your stories here because of your faith in Christ. Daniel is at a point where he has to exercise his faith. Again, 80-something years old at this point. Pretty clean life. The Bible has no record. It's not saying that he didn't sin, but he was faultless in how he handled business affairs, man of principle, purity, and as we'll see in a few verses, a prayer. But yet here, he's at another point of decision. Pick up reading with me in verses 10 and 11. After the, 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 the decree was signed, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what did he do? He went home, okay? And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. We talked about this last week a little bit. Students... Daniel had a prayer life as a teenager, as was his custom in his early days. King David, if you read Psalms 55, you might want to read this later on. I'm just going to read it to you. You don't have to turn there. But Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17, King David wrote, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David had a similar discipline as Daniel. Morning, evening, and at noon. That's a good habit to have, right? Start your day with God. Find some time during your day to check in and walk with God, right? And it's great to end your day with God. Now, we know that it wasn't just this pattern of bang, bang, bang. We know we are to pray without season. But some of us would do good to follow this simple example and say, you know what? I'm going to take a few minutes on my lunch break every day to spend a moment with God. Because sometimes my day is just kilter, out of whack. Anybody ever have a rough day? Right? More than 18, right? Have had a crisis and so forth. God is a faithful God. You know, Daniel prayed, it says in verse 10, and had given thanks. And then in verse 11, it says, these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. This is the same pattern that Paul instructed us to follow in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. One of my favorite scripture passages in the New Testament. Many of you may be familiar with it. We'll have it up there on the screen. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. He says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? What is the peace of God? 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through who? Through Christ Jesus. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything is what Paul is saying here. It's what Daniel did. Daniel did not have fear. At least we don't see, we see faith fighting fear after that decree was signed, don't we? He went home. You know, I, I really believe that there was peace and not panic because when someone's giving thanks before his God in verse 10, does that really, do you think someone's panicking if they're giving thanks to God? No, there was a peace in Daniel's heart, even when that law, that decree was made. And I, I believe that's why he had so much peace and courage is because he had a prayer life. He had a prayer life. Ernest Wadsworth once said, Pray for a faith that will not shrink when washed in the waters of affliction. What a great thought. What a great word. Pray for a faith that will not shrink when washed in the waters of affliction. Daniel had this kind of faith. He had walked with the Lord for over 80 years and knew that God wouldn't fail him. Hadn't the Lord continued to walk him and help him as a teenager not to compromise his convictions? Didn't the Lord save his life from giving him the wisdom to interpret the king's dream? As we read about a few weeks back, didn't the Lord deliver his three friends out of a fiery furnace? You see, Daniel knew God's abilities. He not only witnessed it in his life, but he witnessed it in his friends. He knew that he served and prayed to a faithful God. How many of you believe that here today, that you serve and you pray to a faithful God? Do you believe that? Because I can guarantee you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you will have opportunity to exercise faith over fear. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to have peace instead of panic. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. You see, according to Daniel 9, verse 2, Daniel had a copy of the prophecy of Jeremiah. You can see that in Daniel 9, 2. It alludes to that. So therefore, he must have read, Daniel must have read Jeremiah 32, 27. Now, he didn't have the reference. He probably had a scroll like they had. But Daniel probably read this verse, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? We know the answer to that. Daniel knew the answer to that. No. I believe that Daniel knew, as Jeremiah did, when the Lord gave him this word, that nothing is too hard for me. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Someone needs to receive that here today. Maybe you feel that you are backed against the wall, and God, I just don't understand. I mean, I've been praying for years. I don't understand what is going on. And you think, God, I just don't think you're going to come through here. You know, sometimes our faith is developed more during God's delays than when he answers. You see, God allows tests into our lives to develop our faith, church, not to destroy it. Satan brings temptation to destroy our faith. But God allows tests at times to develop and to strengthen our faith. So maybe, even though you want the answer today, maybe 
and God's sovereignty, I can't explain it. Listen, if God was small enough for us to explain, he wouldn't be big enough to worship. If we could say, well, this is what God's trying to do here, why would we do what we just did for the first 30-something minutes of our service? If we could explain God all the time, right? He's worthy. He's holy. He's awesome. I mean, we use some strong words. And he is able to help us in our time of need. Daniel went back and did what he had always done and prayed, not knowing the outcome. A believer who knows how to kneel in prayer has no problem standing in the strength of the Lord. I read that not too long ago. It's so true. Follow along as we look now in verses 12 on. It says this. So these guys went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, that Daniel uh, of yours there, who is the one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you. You know, king, they start ratting on this guy. This guy doesn't respect you. Remember what you just signed? Or for the decree that you've signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So the trap has been set for Daniel in the first nine verses. And now we're going to see what happens in verse 14. The king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. You can't go back. That's just the way that it was. The king was to do that. His authority would go right down the tank if he changed it right then. So he knew that. So they had the king. Not only did they think they had Daniel, now they think we got the king. The king doesn't realize this. He can't change his mind. So they think they're all set. So the king gave the command. They brought out Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve, what? Continually... He will deliver you. That word continue means constantly, perpetually. Think about this. Would the king have had such hope if Daniel was sporadic in his service to God? I think God knew what he was doing. He put that word in there. The God who you serve continually. Can that be said of us? Or is it contingent on what's going on in our lives. There was such consistency in Daniel's life that even the king recognized it in verse 16. He says, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Daniel's life made a believer out of the king by the way that he lived. That is powerful, church. May that be said of us who you serve continually. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. 
Oh, but wait a second. Let me ask you a question here today. Can any seal by man ever keep God from accomplishing his plans? That was a big thing. Any of you familiar with the tomb, the stone that was rolled in front of Jesus' tomb that was sealed? You can read about it in Matthew 27, verses 62 to 66. I don't have time to read it here today, but let me just say this to you here today. God has the final word. Say that with me. God has the final word. God has the final word. You see, I believe with all my heart, if you're here, maybe you've been told by a doctor that you have a terminal illness. God can heal you. You may be in a destroyed, hurt, or broken relationship. God can mend that relationship. You may be trapped or feel bound by an addiction or depression. God can deliver you. He's a faithful God. But hear me out here today. God is in control regardless of the outcome. Did you hear that? You see, we know this story. I know I don't have to read through the rest of the chapter. I I will in a moment. We know what takes place. But we also know, as Hebrews chapter 11 writes about the heroes there in the faith, we know that many were tortured, crucified, things happened, and that was it. You know, I read this verse a while back, and it really just kind of jumped at me. It's in Psalms 116, verse 15. The psalmist writes this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I thought, I must have a messed up Bible. How is it precious? Die? What? But Jesus, you see, death, church, for God's people is not done. It's not, it's over. Now, hear me here for a moment. Does physical death mean defeat for the believer? When you die, when I die, whether it's a tragedy, whether we have time, we're preparing on our deathbed, we're just elderly or sickness or something, and we are aware of it, is, is it a done deal? Does that mean we've been defeated, that, that the devil has won because we die? No. Every one of us, the wages of sin, because we sin, is what? It's death. That's just a penalty. Once Adam and Eve from our great, 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 all the way back grandparents sinned, right? We all, we're all born with that sinful nature. We can't avoid it. But God is a good God and God chooses in his sovereignty what to allow. And I want you to stick with me as we finish off this chapter in verses 18 to 23. Because the trap has been set through the king's decree and the trap has been Sprung by the conspirators' deceit, but now we're going to see the Lord's deliverance. The trap is spoiled at the end, thanks to God. In verse 18, it says, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also, he slept. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, what? There it is again. Continually been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. 
My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he what? Believed in his God. If you're okay marking your Bible, I would underline that last line. Because he believed in his God. On your outlines there, and I've said this before, faith that isn't tested, can't be trusted. Daniel was tested, right? Once that decree was signed. And I have what I believe the Lord's put on my heart. In 2 Corinthians four sixteen and 17, and the word that our sister brought today, this all really just ties in what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say to its people here today. Trials, brothers and sisters, they're a part of this life. Okay? And I know not everybody raised their hand, but I know if I gave you some more time, which I don't have time to do that today, everybody would admit that you've had one trial in your life. Hello? (laughs) Of course. That's a part of life. But I love what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, and I believe we'll have that up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. And I believe this is a word for many here today. Paul wrote this, Therefore we do not lose heart. In other words, don't give up. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our, what affliction? Light affliction. Why didn't he just say for our affliction? Well, you have to read. I don't have time to read the context here. But he said for our light affliction. But just earlier, Paul is given an account of all that he went through. Beatings, shipwrecked. I mean, all kinds of physical stuff, spiritual stuff. And he's writing to the church and he's saying, don't lose heart. Even though this outward man is perishing, the inward is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, that word affliction in the Greek, I won't try to pronounce it. Well, I'll try it, but it's probably not accurate. It's flipsis, okay? Flipsis, I have no idea how to say that. But it's the same word. It means pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble. What does Paul say? Is for what? A moment. You see, the devil wants you to think that this thing that you're in, man, it's, you're never going to get through this thing. Some of you, it's like a pattern, right? This one thing happens again and again. Maybe it's a relationship that's just driving you crazy. Maybe it's a sickness. Start to feel better and it comes back and so forth. Paul is saying, listen, our light affliction, which is for a moment, this is what blows me away. The next four words is working what? Wait a minute. This pressure I'm feeling, this affliction, this trial, you're trying to say is working for me? That is God's plan. That's his word. Now, the question is whether or not you and I believe that. 
Because if you're like me, you're saying, well, okay, God, can you work that out in another way? Because <laughs> this is like too much. But he's saying that this is working for us. It says a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory for our light affliction. That literally means light as we think of weight, light. And then he's saying the weight of glory. In other words, when we compare to what is waiting for us on the other side, this momentary trial is worth it. I grew up playing sports, like sports. Some of you know the sports field and stuff. Do you enjoy preseason? Do you enjoy running three miles before you have to show up at practice and so forth? I remember college having to do that, and I thought, what is the deal here? Even in high school sports, varsity sports, I didn't have to run three miles just to get to practice, and our coach made us do that. But I realized that the discipline up ahead, if I could endure it, it was worth a national championship or a state championship or whatever. Sometimes I had the opportunities to do sports. But listen, church, some of you are enduring some difficult things now. But it's for a moment. Can I say that here today? God is in control. In verse 18, it says, We don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Permanent? No, this world's passing away, right? Including these temples, outwardly. They're temporary. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. You see, kingdoms, these kingdoms are clashing. There is a very real spiritual world out there. More real than the world that we see. And God would want you to know today that he is a faithful God. How could Daniel have peace instead of panic? How could he exercise faith and not fear? And how could he exemplify commitment and not compromise? Verse 23 of chapter 6 tells us, because he believed in his God. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Be careful before you answer that. Because part of that could mean exercising faith when you don't want to, as Daniel was brought into that. If we will trust in God, we, like Daniel, will enjoy peace and not panic. We'll exercise faith and not fear, and we'll exemplify commitment rather than compromise. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 10 here today. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 to 39. Look at what the writer of Hebrews pens. He says, for you have need of endurance. How many of you have need of endurance? That's the word for me here today. So I'll tell you what, sometimes it's like, just want to give up. Listen to what he says. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by what? Faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back 
to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. If I may close by reading this one more time in the New Living Translation, don't have it through the screen, but listen. Again, this may help you understand what the writer is saying to us here today. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. How many of you can say today with confidence, I know that my life is in his hands. My life is in his hands. You know, I was talking to a loved one this week, and I was sharing how the devil wants to deceive another loved one by destroying them, that he's feeding lies. And I was reminded of what Jesus says in John 8, verse 32, I believe. A familiar verse, many of us heard it here today. He said that we shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. And I was telling my loved one, Jesus said that you should know. They need to know the truth. You see, it's just not the truth that sets free by itself. It's knowing. That word know, and I don't have time to get into that here today, but that's the key. For some of you say, I'm not experiencing freedom. And God's word tells me he's my savior. He's my defender. He's my healer. He's my rescuer. I know he's doing, he says all these things, but how come I'm not seeing that? I believe it's in that word, no. Do you know the truth? Like not just here, but is there that intimacy with God? Because the verse before says, if we abide in his word, right? We are his disciples. I can't stress enough as we prepare to close, as we continue with this series, when kingdoms clash, clash the importance of God's word in our hearts in these last days. The importance of being people in prayer. You can read on the end. I didn't have the time to finish the chapter, but we'll see. Not only did King Darius issue a decree that led, we thought, to Daniel going in the lion's den and being trapped and killed, but he flipped, didn't he, at the end? He says, oh, your God is the God and this nation. How many of you would love to see that in America? Oh, man. I would love to see that. God, let it happen. Raise up a true leader of God like Daniel was, that this nation can turn around. We need God, church. Regardless, if things are going well, things are not going well here today, the word of the Lord for each of us here is that God wants us to people to be a people of peace. You know, that's what's going to touch people when storms start coming, and they have physical storms are coming. We didn't see it because of all the presidential stuff as much, but many of you know about the destruction in Louisiana they had another, and they're still, just a couple weeks later, they're still, there's a lot of 
stuff going on. These are people in our country. But there's stuff that's going on and, and we just see bits and pieces at times. But I just wanted to encourage you here today as we close in prayer in the words of Zechariah 4 verse 6, not by might nor by power, not anything that we can conjure up, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's God's Spirit. That excellent Spirit that Daniel had is in you and me if we're followers of Jesus Christ. That causes us to be outstanding in our faith. That causes us to be committed and not compromise. Students, as you go back to school, be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't compromise this school year because God can use you to win classmates and perhaps even teachers to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. In just a moment, we want to pray for our teachers, whether you teach at home, your homeschool teacher, private school teacher, public school teacher. We want to call you forward a moment. We have a gift that we'd like to bless you with and pray over you as you prepare for this school year. But I believe in my heart here today that there are some here, you are not right with God. You are going through the motions. And I just encourage you, hear the voice of the Lord here today. Get right with God. Get right with God. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, myself, Pastor Vicki, Pastor Ken, Pastor Bob, any of us would be happy to pray with you. If you don't have a Bible, give you a Bible. Some of you, you've been coming to this church for years and you're still not right with God. Don't put off what God is telling you to do. I'm going to ask us to just worship the Lord with this chorus and then we're going to encourage our teachers as they get ready for a school year. Would you join me in lifting up the name that is above all names as we worship God here today? Maybe in your heart you need to pray, you need to get right with God at your seat or come forward. Feel free to do that as Joe leads us in this chorus.